to the Contracting Officer Podcast. If you work in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand how the other side thinks. Our mission, to make government contracting better one contract at a time. This episode is sponsored by ProPricer, the number one proposal pricing and cost analysis software used by federal agencies and small to large government contractors. Cost proposal analysis usually involves weeks of painful, time-consuming data manipulation. Dealing with complex spreadsheets and redundant data entry just to evaluate contractor price proposals just doesn't cut it anymore. ProPricer Government Edition redefines the cost proposal analysis function because it reduces redundant efforts and increases the efficiency of the acquisition process so you can get more done. If you need a more efficient means of evaluating contractor pricing data to make sound contract award decisions, visit ProPricer.com slash podcast to learn more or request a demonstration. Today's episode is about what can happen if you fail to plan for future acquisitions. Let's get started. Hey, Kevin. Today, we're going to talk about acquisition planning and why it matters. We are. Acquisition is a team sport, and that includes acquisition planning. We've talked about in other episodes the idea of acquisition planning can cause problems if you don't do it right. So today, we're going to talk about what can happen in the extreme when the acquisition team, emphasis on team, doesn't plan well. So to set this in the acquisition time zones, we're talking early on. So zone one, the requirement zone, zone two, the market research zone, and zone three, the RFP zone. This is the acquisition planning stuff. But we're going to tell a story about what happens in the source selection zone when those other zones aren't accomplished well. So today's concept of acquisition planning, it's complicated. Acquisition planning takes time. The contract award is the last step in what is usually a long process. And acquisition planning and acquisition time zones, it take a while. So, for example, if the government team assumes that the process can be sped up, or if industry assumes the process can be sped up, it creates issues. I think the traffic effect, you get poorly designed requirements, you end up with boilerplate RFPs, you end up with less competition because everything's being raced and a lot of companies don't always bid, uh, proposal development is rushed, source selection is rushed, awards is rushed, you, you get it? A lot of things just get piled up. So this tends to be a big issue in recurring requirements like services because it's, it's a contract that's being recompeted every year, every five years, you know, something, right? So the requirements, it, it's being built and then it's being recompeted and the recompetition creates uh, its own drag if it's not done well. And the, yeah, and it's nobody not, likes it's the not plan. a great shiny object like a new acquisition. It's, <laughs> it's, it's more exactly. of the same. So it's not as exciting and people don't focus on it maybe as much. But the big picture for me, everything you're saying there, totally true. It all leads to mission impact, and and that's what we're here for, right? Whether we're government or whether we're on the industry side, we're here to support a mission, and it could be any mission. And DOD, it could be a war fighting, or Homeland Security could be Homeland <laughs> Security. That's a great name for an agency. <laughs> but creative. it's it's every agency. No matter who you're supporting, mission impact is what occurs if this acquisition planning process is all bonged up. So what does that mean to industry? It's not just mission impact for the government folks. For industry, it means increased costs as all this swirl happens. And increased cost to the industry is therefore increased cost that's passed on to the government and increased costs that pass on to you and me and everybody else as taxpayers, right? So today we're going to talk about a story. And this is a story sort of written by the GAO. GAO stands for Government Accountability Office. 
They're the ones who make a lot of decisions on protests. Okay, keep going. So the GAO sustained a protest based on the agency's failure to engage in reasonable advanced planning. And this is a big deal. So Shelley Hall, Skyway Acquisition's community relations lead, wrote a blog post, and we read it and said, this is a really good topic. It's a huge decision. And it's a hugely frustrating experience for the players when they fail to plan. So even if it's a known requirement, such as you know, a follow-on to existing contract, it, it, sometimes it feels like there are a lot, just a lot of moving parts and it takes forever to get this stuff done. And so it, it is frustrating for both sides. And to be called out on the fact that, you know what, the fact that it took you a while isn't good enough, it, this is a, it's a big change. Uh, the DO, as far as I know, has never done this before. Um, it, it seems that they've had enough excuses to, to kind of put Shelley's tone on it, and they're, they're going to start holding the government team accountable for this. And so that's why we want to kind of talk through how does this happen, what are the impacts to it. And again, the podcast is about ground level, right? And this could be taken in the ephemeral because it's, you know, it's, it's all theory, right? But we're going to talk through the story and say this is what happens. This is how this happens and how we can help to avoid it. So let's talk through what happened here, and we'll leave out the names of the, the agency and the companies because this is a semi-regular occurrence. It, it's not just about the specific story. This is a good learning point for everybody. Big picture, failure to plan is not an excuse to award a sole source contract. Now, as an aside, one of my biggest beefs is people on either side that pass the buck by saying something sort of like, uh, your failure to plan does not constitute an emergency on my part. So that just says, that just says, I don't have to do my job. I don't have to try to fix this because you messed up. Think about this. This is still have a mission support. You still have a job to do. Yes, things are messed up. Get over it. Let's move on and figure out how to get this done. Because the flaw with that argument is that, okay, then what? We don't do it. <laughs> that, that's not an option. That was going to be and twice so me, as late me, because I'm mad. Well, and let, me, let, me, let me put, again, let me put this at ground level so people understand why this is a big deal. Let's assume that this isn't some pie in the sky thing that everybody thinks we don't need. Let's assume this is something like air traffic control support systems or it's the cybersecurity system for the White House. I mean, it, it's easy to say, oh, well, you didn't plan, so it's okay if it's late. Well, the customer, in this case, you know, the, the the mission still has to be supported. So that's that's the, you know, to to your point, Paul. This is the kind of stuff you can't just say, "Well, it's late, so I'm not going to do it." And again, most of the time, that isn't an option, and that's why that's why these things happen, and that's why this story is so much fun to talk through today. All right, finally, let's get to the story. So <laughs> let's start it. Okay. There's two companies involved that, that was, here. That was called a, a that was called a preamble, right? Yeah, or a pre ramble. So instead of using the company names, which aren't important here. We're going to call the companies Steve and Gary. So to start the story, Steve protested that the agency canceled an RFQ and extended a sole source award to Gary. Steve said, hey, agency, you canceled this RFQ and you extended the contract because you failed to engage in reasonable advance planning. And this, we're going to say that this is for IT services, just to put a story on it, right? So this initial requirement for IT services was awarded competitively to Gary. Gary won this contract. So to do a logical follow-on makes sense to Gary, and it makes sense to, to the government because they need to have the service, and Gary won last time. So three years ago, he won this contract, and now they're doing this logical follow-on, which is a quote, by the way, and they do what's called a limited source justification, basically stating that no one else can do it without, and this is a quote, disruption 
transition delays, duplication of costs, and new costs. And that makes sense when you're standing at the ground level saying, okay, well, I need to get this done for us to just award two contracts and hope this is going to work out perfectly. We need to get the mission done, so we need to extend this contract. Now, here's where it gets fun, and, and think of this for later. This justification also said that this couldn't be used to extend a contract past three years. So what they said is we are now we realized that we should have awarded this through competition again, but we, we, ran, we ran out of time. Now we're turning over an hourglass, and we're giving ourselves three years to do this right. So at this point, Steve says, that's a bunch of crap that you're giving this to Gary. You knew it was going to end. You had plenty of time. GAO gets Steve's protest and says, we hear you, Steve, but we agree with the agency here that the mission is is so important that we can't just turn it off. We can't let that contract end and take the time to do a competition and then restart. We have to have continuation of these services. So you know Steve's mad because he can do the work. Gary isn't the only one that can do the work. He can do it. The reason that there's not a competition right now is because the agency didn't do their acquisition planning well enough and isn't ready to compete it. The GAO says, we know that's true, but we got to let them extend Gary and continue these services until they can do a competition. So fast forward three years, and the agency, as promised, issues a new RFQ to replace Gary's sole source award. And they evaluated proposals, and they selected Steve. Now who's mad is Gary. Gary protests the award because now it's the other way around. <laughs> right. So the GAO says, go back and reevaluate these proposals. And the government does that. And as a result, the GAO dismisses the protest and keeps the award to Steve. Oh, wait, hang on. Gary files a second protest and says, well, wait a minute. I still should get this sole source contract back. Around and around we go. The government does another evaluation of the proposals, and again, J.O. dismisses Gary's protest and says, no, Steve won this fair and square. And at this point, the contracting officer modifies Gary's sole source contract that was going to expire just within a couple of days and extends that by up to two years to accomplish transition activities. That's the, that's the quote part, in order to accomplish transition activities. But the CO did not write up a formal justification why they were doing that two-year, up to two-year extension. Now, keep in mind, if you're keeping count, we've already had three protests on this. Protests are kind of time-intensive, so you can kind of put the dots together and say, wow, we're really frustrated. At the end of the day, again, we still need to get this service, right? So now a whole lot of frustration has happened. The program manager, the customer, again, the user, steps in and says, wait a minute, this requirement is gone on. It's been protested enough times. We actually need to cancel the solicitation in order to develop a new acquisition because it's just changed so much. We have additional factors. I mean, it's been years that we've been tinkering with this thing. We're now on like our, what, I think we're in the third or fourth protest. The program manager says the requirements changed. Let's just cancel the solicitation and, and start fresh. So at this point, the conspiracy theorists step in and say, wait a second, the government just wants Gary to keep this. Now they're just making stuff up. so really the pm has said steve won this contract but it's been so long we don't even need this contract anymore we need something slightly different so three months after this extension to gary's existing task order 
the head of the contracting agency signs a limited source justification that authorizes the CO to extend that task order. So three months later, kind of weird, right? Three months afterwards, they finally justify what they did. And that limited source justification basically repeated that Gary was the only one who could do the work, despite the fact that Steve won the competition. What? And guess who protested this time? Steve. <laughs> right. So the agency publishes a notice that they've extended Gary's sole source task order and canceled the RFQ that Steve won. So S- Steve's got to be beside himself at this point, right? So he protests. And here's where it gets good. And Kevin, we're not GAO lawyers or or protest lawyers on the industry side, so we don't track everything that goes on here. But this is the first time I've heard of this and first time in my poll of other contracts folks that I've heard this kind of thing. But the GAO agreed with Steve at this point and said that the extension of Gary's task order and the cancellation – of the RFQ that you won, Steve, were due to the agency's failure to plan. Wow. So the history of it is the agency knew four years ago when they did the original limited source justification to extend Gary's contract, the reasons they used to make that extension were that they hadn't had time to plan and it was too risky to do a competition now or stop Gary's work So they had to give him that extension in order to do the acquisition planning. And in four years, they still didn't do the acquisition planning that allowed him to do a real competition and give anyone other than Gary a chance to do the work. So to wrap this up, the GAO agreed with Steve and said, you know, this is kind of crazy that it took this long to get it done again. So we need the government team to figure out a way to, to move the rock, right? And here's the interesting part. The GAO recommends, by the way, in case there are any lawyers listening, they don't actually direct, they recommend, that the agency paid Steve for his proposal preparation costs, that that it took him to respond to the, the solicitation that they canceled, as well as reasonable costs, and I'm reading, I'm quoting here, for filing and pursuing the protest, including reasonable attorney's fees. So in the end, it's a victory, in quotes. Yeah, but it's really, it's a hollow victory for Steve, right? So he... He got his proposal prep cost paid, and he got his attorney's fees paid and, and his internal costs paid for, for pursuing this protest. But Gary still has the contract. Steve didn't get the work out of it. Now <laughs> you got to start over and do this all over again. Which is painful. It's so painful. So that wraps up the story and moves us right to why is this so important. The time span here is what really matters. It's been years And Gary's always had the work, and other companies haven't had a chance to compete. And why? According to the agency, it's too risky to change to a new contractor because they haven't prepared for a competition, which is not a good excuse. And and, and this this goes back to one of the basic things we talk about. The difference between the commercial market and the government market is that in a commercial market, my accountant – I don't ever have to recompete that contract. She's probably going to be my accountant forever. And in the government, you have to recompete things in, in, in general terms, right? That fundamental difference 
And the idea is a lot of people say, well, I'd love to be able to keep the same customer forever. Well, okay, then you shouldn't be in the government market. That, that's because <laughs> fund, fundamentally you're going to have to recompete. And when it doesn't happen, here we are. <laughs> and there are a lot of things we can do. And again, this is not a gotcha story. This is not a, for us to point fingers and say, look what you messed up. This is one of those areas that when people understand that, that there are so many things that can drive this. Um, it's, it's, for example, this is evidence for one of the team members to say, this is what happens if we keep dragging this out. We need the team, the, all the links in the chain, to be playing along to make sure this gets done. And by the way, that includes industry re- applying to RFIs on time, you know, all that kind of stuff. This happens because the, the requirements get overwhelmed by things like the traffic effect. And the traffic effect is the concept of if you leave for work at 6 a.m., how's the traffic? If you leave for work at 8 a.m., how's the traffic? Same idea. Apply that to the number, the number of requirements that get dropped on people, the number of protests that happen, you know, the time of year. I mean, all all that stuff drives. So it's actually, if you've worked on the government side, it's pretty easy to to come up with many different ways why acquisition planning can get delayed. I know we both uh, were civilians supporting the Air Force, right? And lots of the program people were Air Force officers who constantly were getting rotated to, to new jobs or moving to other bases or deploying to combat zones. So there's just lots of churn. And sometimes no one was able to really own the issue or spend a lot of time to become the expert and get it done. So we're not trying to point fingers here that it's it's just bad actors. There's lots of things that can cause delays in acquisition planning. And, and either way, you can't just throw up your hands. And what I mean by this is I've had this happen. I know you have. I'm sure every contracting officer has had this in some way happen where you, you're literally running up against the wall of we're not going to be able to get everything we, don't, we want done for this source selection process in the time we have. So we've got to do something, right? And when the lawyer says, well, your failure to plan, we, you know, we, can't, we can't extend the contract. He's right. But at the same time, it's like the other side of that argument is, okay, then we let the contract expire. Which right, goes back to my point that's of that's not an option. It, the, the world doesn't stop right. turning, right? Right. I mean, the requirement is still there. The people still need body armor. They still need vehicles. They still need bottles of water. They still need the internet to work. <laughs> you know, it's, right. it's, it's think all the things that are being bought. This, this this isn't trivial stuff. It's not like they're choosing to buy a seventeenth TV. You know, it's not that kind of stuff. I mean, the simplest way to think of this is the customer needs it. The contracting officer has to buy it. Period. That has to happen in some way. So we've probably already been talking about this from the government side, but specifically, why should the government care? Mission impact is why the government should care, right? If you don't properly plan to acquire things, there could be gaps in your ability to support your customers. Included with that is the fact that your time and and your money and your budget could be sucked up by protests if you haven't planned properly for these and now you're getting protests because you didn't plan, which farther prevents you from planning because now you're responding to protests. We should have called this acquisition planning irony. <laughs> it just, it, you, you, you dig yourself deeper into this quagmire because you, you got behind on the schedule and somebody protested that you're behind on the schedule, which puts you further behind on the schedule. And so that, yeah, that's, why this, that's why the government team cares. Exactly. So the result of this ruling, you know, it's now published and Shelley wrote a nice little blog post about it. Contractors are now aware that they can protest your sole source justification government if the justification is, hey, we we aren't ready for a competition, so we have to extend this. So it's not that no one else can do this, just that we haven't put together all the stuff we need to do a competition, so we're just going to give it to the guy that's doing it now. 
And, and this is why we talk about acquisition planning so much. That's why so many of our episodes have this topic in them. And so many of our episodes also have the opposite of why should the government care? Why should industry care? Nice segue. Industry should care because this ruling is a new avenue for you to hold the government accountable if they haven't planned and are just extending the incumbent's contract over and over and over again. Now, if you are the incumbent, this is a new impediment to holding on to your current work because it used to be, and I'm speculating here that this that there's actually a change in the works here, but if you are the incumbent, there's a lot of momentum on your side to allow you to hold on to continue your current work. So where an agency's lack of acquisition planning was once a benefit to you because you got to keep your sole source contract for longer and longer and longer, now there's a new complication. And there could be protests based on the fact that the agency failed to plan, which means that agencies will plan better, which, you know, by the way, is a good thing. Even if you're incumbent, you got to look big picture here. Good thing for industry as a whole to have robust competition. Give everybody a chance. He says, and let me throw a little bit of predictions on here is I, I see this driving more competition and the third order magnitude of this, I think are going to be things like, again, put on my contracting officer hat. And so I'm behind the acquisition team is behind. We can't get this stuff done. Now somebody protests and says, Hey, you're not getting it done fast enough. And I said, I know, thank you for reminding me. And you're getting more and more frustrated. So I think there's going to be a, a drive for more people, uh, for more training, for, uh, more expert, more experience in this area because the idea is the acquisition planning if if this one concept blows up for those of us that live at the ground level at the contract level it's going to drive more competitions and it's going to drive people to say you know what we can't use this excuse two months from now that we didn't get this done because now you can actually quote a gao case (laughs) when you're trying to lead a team to get stuff done i think it's funny that you said i'm going to put on my contracting officer hat because you rarely take that off that, that's true. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to crank it down on my head. <laughs> and the, the long-term expectation is we might get fewer protests in the end because people are seeing that the competitions aren't so messy like this one was. So since we're talking about the industry side here, what you just said is that the government may need more people with more experience in order to do the acquisition planning. So if your company is a CETA support company, if you provide this kind of support to the government, this may be the change you're waiting for. Instead of budgets cutting acquisition support, folks, this may start to bring that budget back up. Maybe, just maybe, the reason that this government office did not plan properly for their next acquisition is because they didn't have the support to do it. They didn't have the people to do it. It's a very good point. And here's another little prediction I'm going to make that you can hold me to five years from now. This may drive the case for holding protesters accountable for frivolous protests. And the reason I say that is, again, cranking down my contracting officer hat. If you're going to call me out for delaying, I'm going to call people out for here's the reason that we're delaying. And I'm not picking on Steve and Gary here. This is a recurring concept. This is not unusual. Uh, Shelley calls this the never-ending protest cycle. It feels like they can just keep protesting and protesting. So let me give you an example of how I see this feeling. As a contracting officer, I'm thinking, okay, if you're going to keep protesting and then I'm going to get smacked in the face for, for taking too long to get this awarded, then why aren't we challenging the people who are doing the protesting? If the GAO is going to call out the government team for, for dragging their feet, they may call out the protesters too and say, you know what? The fourth time you protest the same thing, we're going to send you a bill. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. And I think that it is. 
I think they've tried to stay out of that for a long time because what is a frivolous protest is a very, very difficult question. And right. by the way, you know, as a CO, I think we both knew frivolous protests when we saw them. Yeah. And so on the industry side, they never feel frivolous. On the industry, <laughs> yeah. But on the industry side, they never, to industry, a protest is never frivolous. Right. That's a good point. And you, you, you hear rumors that companies will protest something if they're the incumbent and they lost, that they would protest it just to be able to continue performance for a few more months or a lot more months while the protest proceedings go on. It'll be interesting to see where this, this discussion ends. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Government side, this story that we've been talking about, what this means is that the GAO may, may now formally hold you accountable for failure to conduct your acquisition planning in a timely manner. And it may cost you in paying for the protests of people that call you on your failure to plan. And the likelihood of protests is seems to be increasing. Yeah, I really think this opens up the floodgates for this kind of protest. And this foot stomps the idea of focus on acquisition planning. And, you know, planning is a four letter or plan is a four letter word. Not everybody yeah, planning likes to do isn't, it. but plan is your. <laughs> right, flipping that on the industry side, the GAO appears to want to help you by holding the government accountable. But the law of unintended consequences applies here. So part of that unintended consequence is that you may same concept from the other side is you're going to have if you're an incumbent you're probably going to have people notice this and say hey that's been an incumbent sole source contract for a while i want to protest that right so industry is like yeah we're going to hold the government accountable they're not going to be able to do these sole source extensions anymore but if you're the guy with the contract you want those sole source extensions so ah! so the the big takeaway here is be ready for more competition i think that contracts that that weren't competed as quickly now there's a big line in the sand that says you need to make sure you keep up with these and keep competing them. So I think there are, I suspect we'll see more competitions come out as a result of this GAO protest. And for that matter, from this podcast. Yeah, maybe, maybe this will help agencies focus on the importance of acquisition planning. How'd you like that to tie a bow on it? Yeah, there you go. All right, this is another good one. All right, talk to you later, Kevin. See you, Paul. Okay, that's it for this episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. We'd like to thank our episode sponsor, ProPricer, and remind you that our topics are mostly listener-driven. So if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us.